0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. I'm Shelby, your host. And today I'm joined by Rihanna Green, also known as She Trademarks on Instagram. She helps beauty professionals with everything legal. So we're going to talk about all of that today and how she can help you and your business. So welcome, Rihanna, to Lash Boss Radio.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk all of the legal for the beauty biz.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a topic that we kind of avoid or a thing we avoid when we go into business. We've got all of our supplies and we're getting our clients, but we can go years without thinking about, oh, shoot, I didn't trademark my name. And then I, yeah, so I just want to get into all of the things that um, you do. And to start, you were in the beauty industry yourself, and then you went to school um, for law. So can you tell us a little bit about your Start in the beauty industry? Yes.
1: So I have always been obsessed, kind of, you know, with the beauty, the fashion world, like the glitz, the glam of like the beauty industry. And then when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to take what we call ROP, which is regional occupational program for people who necessarily don't want to go to school. So they had like different programs, automated, they had Cosmo, um, they had just like different programs. So I did the cosmetology one. I started when I was 15. Uh, I was a junior. You had to be 16 or a junior, but I was 15. So they let me in at like the junior status. And I started with manicuring and esthetician classes. And then once I was done with those at my actual school location, I was able to do the full Cosmo program at an offsite campus. And so that's really kind of how I started in the beauty industry. I got licensed for Nails or my manicuring license at 16, and I was licensed for hair at 17. So I've been in the industry for a really long time, and it really helped me get through college and law school. At one point, there was a time where I didn't really want to go to school anymore. I was like, I'm just going to do hair. I really enjoy hair. I can, you know, have my own business, be my own boss. But then I just decided to kind of just keep taking classes and keep going. And then once I was done, I kind of hung up my you know, apron, if you will, and kind of started on the law side. But then that had its own challenges. And I ended up starting this business in kind of a whirlwind. And now I just am really enjoying merging the two like beauty, which I really love, and then law, which I really love, and now finding a way to make it make sense for me.
0: Yeah, it's so cool. And it's so much needed in our industry, somebody that can relate to us and kind of knows what we go through and everything. So um You are a lawyer, and so what are the differences of someone, say, going through, like, legal Zoom or something and working with an actual lawyer on the things that their business needs legally? This
1: is, like, one of my favorite questions, Shelby, so I'm so glad you asked because I get it (laughs) kind of a lot. Um, Like, well, why would I pay an attorney when I can just do legal Zoom? Or, like, legal Zoom is so much cheaper. But here's the real T on like LegalZoom or other companies like that is they are document preparation companies, right? So when you go through them to do your LLC or to do like a business entity or to do trademarks, you are going through them and they are filling out the paperwork at the state level, but they're filling it out based off on what you have given them. So essentially, you are filling out the questionnaire. And then they're taking everything that you filled out in the questionnaire, and they're just putting it into the system on your Secretary of State's website. So there's no actual, like, legal analysis there. There's no actual, like, hey, like, so, for example, in trademarks, there's no, all right, what does your business do? These are the classes you should consider. These are, you know, some other things you consider. They're just going to ask you, like, hey, what does your business do? And you're going to list lashes. And they're going to say, okay, you need to register in the services class for lashes. But they're not going to ask the questions like, oh, well, do you also have a lash product line? Do you plan on doing trainings in the future? Do you want to do an apparel line? Like, you know, they're not going to ask those questions and do that analysis. They're just going to do whatever you tell them on your questionnaire. They're going to copy and paste essentially.
0: Mm, yeah. So, um, okay, let's say somebody is not trademarking their business, for example, and They've been in business a while and then they realize somebody else has their business name. What, what happens in that case?
1: So there's a couple of different outcomes that could happen in this case like that. I will give you an example. I think it was the month of September. So September of 22, 2022, I'm calling it the cease and desist month. I had so many consultations from business owners who started their business found a name they loved, hung a sign outside of their salon with that name on it, and then lo and behold, another company, maybe across the states or you know in a different state, found out that they were using that name, and they actually had that name trademarked. So then that other company that has the actual legal rights to use that name are now sending cease and desist letters to the companies that are infringing on their trademark. So essentially, if a person has been building their business for like three or four years under a name that they haven't registered for a trademark and then they get hit with a cease and desist by a company that does have that registered trademark the company without it has to rebrand has to spend money you know taking down the sign outside their salon door which i hear those are really expensive so like you know different things like that redoing their website all of those things uh have to be redone because they were using a name that they didn't own.
0: Yeah. Um, and the peace of mind that comes from getting it trademarked and making sure that you're not, you're not ever, that's never going to happen to you. And you can be that company one day that is sending the cease and desist letters if you're seeing that. Um, So why do you think, or why in your experience so far with beauty professionals, why is there such a maybe procrastination with getting all of their legal stuff done?
1: I think there's two problems. One, I think we don't learn about it in beauty school, right? So beauty school kind of sells this dream of you can be your own boss. You can make your own hours. You can make a ton of money. um, You can kind of be the CEO of your own business. And I say they sell the dream because a lot of beauty professionals are doing that. So it's not something that they can't achieve. It's just that beauty schools are not giving the proper foundations and the proper tools on the business side of things. So they tell you how to do hair. They tell you how to do lashes. They tell you like all the state standards and all of that. And then they just kind of like push you on your way and say, okay, now go be great. But they haven't taught you how to run a great business. So I think that's one of the problems. Um, The other problem I would say is probably just kind of a lack of knowledge, like you don't know what you don't know. So if you didn't learn it in beauty school and then now you're just kind of coming into it, it takes a while to understand what you need. And then legal is not necessarily like the sexy side of your business, right? It's not like the stuff that like makes you warm and like flutter inside. It's not when you first see your website done and you're like, oh my God, I love it. Thank you so much to your graphic designer or your website developer. Or it's not like your logo on swag that you're like, this is the cutest thing, right? Those things are like fun and sexy for your business. And so you're willing to put the money into those things. But legal is like a necessary expense. But people are like, ooh, I'd rather hire a coach than hire a lawyer to do this. So I think those are kind of some of the typical reasons.
0: Outside of just trademarking, is there anything else that we should be doing with with a lawyer?
1: Yes. So I would say a couple of things. One, you should... Get with a lawyer to talk about your business structure. Like, do you need to be an LLC? Do you need to be a corporation? Um, You know, get with your tax professional. When is it time for you to elect to be an escort? And I know that this is one of those things that people kind of often confuse in the beauty industry. I hear it all the time. They're like, I'm an escort. I'm like, well... Yes, you are probably being taxed as an S-Corp because S-Corp is a tax designation. So your CPA helps you with the S-Corp status because when you reach a certain level of um, profit coming into your business, the S-Corp helps you with tax purposes. But people always get that confused with their business structure. They're like, no, I'm an S-Corp. And I'm like, oh, well, you're really either an LLC or you're, you're in a corporation. And so- that's one of the things they should do is work with an attorney on kind of deciding what entity to be. Um, the other thing is contracts. So many things in business need contracts and beauty pros are some of the most lax on contracts for, you know, collaborations, brand deals, endorsements, all of those different things.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, what about, can we talk about non-compete contracts? Yeah. We, it's hard because, um, so many of us here, like you need to have those in your business. And then some of us here, those can give off the wrong vibe to your employees and make them feel a certain way. So which, which do you think is right? Like, should we have non-competes or should we not?
1: I think that there are certain clauses in a contract that you can have to protect what you're trying to protect without necessarily doing a non-compete. So And the reason why I say this is because non-competes are pretty, what's the word I want to use? They're just kind of, the courts don't necessarily like them. Lots of courts are going to differ on how they treat non-competes. So, for example, in California, they almost never enforce non-competes because California is like a more liberal state. They um, just kind of don't believe in restricting somebody's ability to work in a field that they have been skilled and trained in, right? Right. Some other states are going to enforce the non compete as long as it's narrowly tailored uh, to achieve a certain outcome. So I'll give you an example. If in your non compete, you say something along the lines of, let's say you're a lash studio and you hire an esthetician or even a cosmetologist that does lashes, and your non compete says something like, um, Rihanna Green or I, Rihanna Green, agree that for a period of three years, I will not work doing cosmetology-related services in a radius of 25 miles, right? Well, that non-compete is has issues for quite a few reasons, right? The three-year period of time is a really long period of time to restrict somebody's ability to work. Cosmetology is a huge scope. So that person or I at that salon was only doing lashes and now you're saying I can't do hair, nails skin whatever right and then 25 miles is a pretty big radius so usually courts like to see you know six to 12 months on the time frame very narrowly tailored as to what it is so lash extensions and then um a radius of like three to five miles is typically fair so With that being said, there are other alternatives to kind of make sure that you protect what you want to protect. So, for example, a non-solicitation clause, meaning if your tech leaves your salon and goes somewhere else, okay, well, they're not going to steal clients and they're not going to steal employees, right? So, non-solicitation clause. Also, a non-disclosure agreement or your NDA, if they leave and they go somewhere else, they are not going to steal kind of your company policies, um, your bonus methods, your you know different things that are kind of exclusive and integral to your personal salon. So those are some alternatives that are usually more enforceable than the non-competes in most of the states.
0: Question: So let's say the contract has a blend of everything, but the court doesn't agree with one part of it. Do they just slash it all or? like, how do they handle that? Like, let's say you have a non-disclosure, non-solicitation and a non-compete, but let's say it's not very restrictive. If it's a state that doesn't necessarily agree with non-competes, what happens in that case if a person is um, soliciting clients, for example, or like taking the handbook um, type of thing?
1: So this is a really great question because lots of people DIY their own contracts, right? And the problem with DIYing their own contracts is that sometimes, and most oftentimes they're missing a lot of actually really important contract clauses. And so what you're basically saying is like, Hey, if I have a contract that has something wrong in it, and the court has determined that it's wrong, do they throw out the whole contract or do I get to, you know, keep the parts that are valid. And so, The good thing about this is what we call severability clauses which are clauses that essentially say like listen if any part of this contract or any provision in this contract is deemed to be unenforceable the rest of the contract remains intact so essentially listen you put a non-compete contract or you put a non-compete clause in your contract and then it turns out that in your state non-competes are unenforceable well Without a severability clause, you might be in a situation where you have no contract, but if you have that severability clause in there, then it says, okay, non-competes out, NDA's in, and so is the non-solicitation clause, so we're still good on that front. So that's really why it's important to make sure that the contracts that you're using Are drafted by an attorney so that you have the proper clauses in there. Because when you're doing it yourself, you might not even know that's what it's called or that's what clause you need, but an attorney is gonna know in order to protect the whole contract to have certain clauses in there.
0: Brilliant. And so let's talk um, like an attorney that deals with all types of businesses versus somebody that's like very, like yourself. You're very knowledgeable in our own industry. Why is that important? us?
1: So I love to give the example of a doctor, right? So if you have a brain tumor, you obviously know that there are all kinds of doctors out there, but you're going to want to go to somebody who specializes in brain surgery to remove your brain tumor, right? You're not going to want to go to somebody who does, who's a heart surgeon because their specialty is hearts. And you definitely don't want to go to your primary care physician for something this serious because they kind of don't really have a particular specialty. They're kind of a generalist, right? So that's my example for going to someone who really knows your industry is that if you go to someone who doesn't, they Sure, they're also a lawyer, but they might not necessarily look at things the same way that your attorney that's familiar with your industry would. An example of that I can give is I've had clients who went and got trademarks done by different trademark attorneys that don't necessarily kind of specialize in the beauty industry. And when we were looking over it, I'm like, okay, but what about these categories? Because for trademarks, you have to trademark in every category that you want to be in for protection. So for example, if you are a lash artist that has trainings, that has a salon and also has products, that's three categories you would need to be trademarked in. So what I typically see is people will go and they will tell somebody, hey, I'm a lash artist. I want to trademark my brand. And then they will come back with one class for lash services because that attorney didn't really understand how big of hustlers we are as beauty professionals, how we have different avenues of income coming in, and how we need different protection in all those different categories.
0: So what do we do in that case? Like let's say we do have a trademark for just one class or something. And now we want to work with you and in, in cover us um, in all of the areas that we might want to be in. What do we do from there?
1: So what you can do is you can book a consultation. During the consultation, I take a look at whatever intellectual property you already have. We kind of do a little bit of an audit on what intellectual property you might also need to protect and then we kind of go from there so if somebody came to me and let's say um, they were a lash artist and they only have salon services protected but now they do in-person and online trainings they have a podcast and they're getting ready to start a product line we would just go through the process of now trademarking the brand for those additional classes and you go from there the downside obviously is that you already have one trademark and the Trademark process is a long process. And now you kind of have to start over with those additional classes and wait another 13 months. But it's better to protect it now than like continue to wait.
0: And isn't there something with like the day that you file um, that's considered if something ever comes up in the future? Or... Yes. Okay.
1: So priority filing deadlines. Um, so essentially, let's say, and we talked, we touched on it a little bit earlier, is that you've been using your brand name for five years, and then you see someone else using the brand name too. So if neither one of you guys are trademarked at that point in time, then it's going to be first to file, first in line is kind of what they say. Meaning, if that smaller brand or that brand that started a couple years after you files first, they are technically first in line for federal rights. So even though you've been using it longer, they are first in line for federal rights. And there are some nuances to that, right? But that's kind of generally the rule. So in addition to you have already started using it first, now you kind of have to play defense because they've got the priority rights, even though you were using the name longer. So now you have to fight their application, right? As opposed to the other way around. So it is, I try not to pressure people and tell them like, you have to trademark today, but it really is truly in your best interest to trademark sooner rather than later because trademark applications go in every day. And it doesn't even have to be the exact same name to cause you a problem later on when you try to trademark your name. As long as it's similar enough, the trademark um, board can tell you, nope, it's going to be too confusingly similar. So we're not going to register this trademark. So it's super important to be proactive
0: so let's use the example of my business. I have Lash Boss Radio, Lash Boss University, Lash Boss Summit. So, would I have to trademark each individual name or is Lash Boss by itself trademarked for each of those classes? It does that matter. Okay.
1: So, what I'm hearing is you've got different variations of Lash Boss registered in different categories, right? Yes. So let's just go with one example. Let's say podcasting. You have Lash Boss by itself plain for podcasting, right? And somebody comes along and wants to do Lashboss radio for podcasting,
0: right? Well, that's my name, but yes. Like okay. what if they did Lashboss podcast or something? Okay. So we'll do, let me start again then.
1: Um, okay. So if I'm hearing correctly, you're asking if you have something trademarked in a particular class and let's say it's Lash Boss Radio, and someone comes along and starts Lash Boss Podcast. Is that too similar, or do you have rights? Is the question right? Yes. So, yes, you do. Because here's the thing: I like to call them throwaway words. Okay, and I'll give you an example. So, if you had um, if you have Lash Boss Radio, and somebody wants to do the Lash Boss Radio the is a throwaway word right like it's not really that important to your actual trademark i would say the same of radio being descriptive of what your show is or what it is that you do the podcast it's like a radio right so that is kind of a throwaway word. So then you come to like, what is the core of your trademark, which would be the lash boss part. So if lash boss is the core of your trademark and radio, we say is a throwaway word, then if somebody else was doing lash boss podcast, we would say the same thing. Podcast is descriptive of the podcast that they're doing. So podcast would be a throwaway word. And then we're left with lash boss, which is the core of your already trademarked name. So yeah, that would be something that would be considered probably too similar.
0: So this is why you say like book a consultation because everyone situation is so different. Some people may already have something trademarked, but they need to fill in holes in other areas. So you kind of just give a holistic approach to everything and just look at everything they could possibly need to cover themselves for. And that way, moving forward, somebody can like branch out their business and everything, knowing that they're safe and that in if in the event that something happens, like somebody is trying to steal their name in some way, you have their back and you can help them with cease and desist letters, et cetera.
1: Correct. Yeah. Because the thing is, is once you know what intellectual property you have, then you want to protect it from copycat's. And then in order to protect it from the copycats, you do need to kind of have someone in your corner that's like, oh yeah, that's too similar. Oh yeah, we should definitely send out a cease and desist because those are things that the general public, you know, might not necessarily know. And so it's something that for sure, I think you should have someone in your corner that understands the process and understands how to protect you in those situations.
0: So let's say somebody listening, they want to book a consultation with you. How much money are we talking when it comes to doing a trademark? Is it per trademark? How does that work when, when working with you specifically? So it is per
1: trademark. And so when you're talking per trademark, I would say like in your example earlier, Lash Boss University, that's going to be one trademark. Lash Boss Radio, that's going to be a separate trademark because those are different trademarks phrases or words or whatever, um, a logo is going to be different than the actual word. Those are separate trademarks, but each trademark has to be registered in particular classes. And so if you have like, let's say you're doing, just your brand name to start out. So you're going to do, um, luscious lashes. That's the example I typically use. And I'm going to try to trademark it. Well, within that trademark, I might need several classes. Like we talked about, I might want to trademark luscious lashes for salon services, products and trainings. So that's three classes within them. Usually the classes each are $350, and those are filing fees that go directly to the USPTO. So you have to keep in mind that whatever you want to trademark, you're going to also have the class fees. And then for attorney's fees, they typically range around um, 2000 to $3,000. Mine are 2500 That includes pretty much everything. Um, the Search an opinion letter that I do where I'll search the name, make sure that it's good to go, give you an opinion as to what that name is, and then also um, the actual application, drafting the application, having you review it, talking to the USPTO, the United States Patent and Trademark Office, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the USPTO, and doing anything, emails, phone calls that need to be done on that end. So you're looking at about probably, I tell people, 2,850 To start, that's an attorney's fees and one class for your trademark.
0: Nice. Okay, and then let's say they wanted to add a bunch of classes to their name. Um, Does does that work the same way as like trying to actually trademark a whole separate name? Because that makes because I understood you're saying for each trademark, it's it's that fee and then also the fee with um, the government, right?
1: So, yeah, for the trademarks, it is one trademark attorney's fees, let's say 2500 And then under that trademark, however many classes you want to be, are going to be filing fees of 350 to the USPTO.
0: Got it. Okay, cool. That's good to know. Um, I, I was going to ask a question earlier. I had forgot it. I remembered what it was. Um, I saw on your Instagram there are situations where people are – plagiarizing or you know copying people's um courses that they've created and this is another thing that we may forget to do like when we're trying to do new projects or something in our businesses and grow we create an online course or something so in that case how can we protect ourselves there Yeah. how can you help us with that
1: copycats every day uh, they they just come out of the woodworks, right? The best way to protect from copycats of your course materials, let's say your workbook, your actual video content, your PowerPoint slides, whatever it is, is with copyrights. So trademarks protect your brand name, your slogan, your logos, kind of what we consider source identifiers. So if somebody goes to your salon, they know that they're going to Luscious Lashes. That would be something that you trademark, right? But Copyrights are for original works of art, and so what you would typically copyright are those things that we talked about, like manuals, um, work, class workbooks, whether or not you have syllabus, you know, for your class, all those different things. In addition to the video content of that class, the PowerPoint slides of that class. If you have a branding shoot done, and you're going to use all of those web, all of those pictures on your website and you get rights to those from the photographer, you can also copyright your actual photos from your website so that people aren't stealing your branding photos or your before and after photos or whatever and using them on their website. So copywriting is another really great way to protect your actual written or videoed content.
0: Amazing. I'm as you're as we've had this episode, I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many things I need to do. Hopefully everyone listening is also feeling this way. And um I it's like this this uh, thing that kind of we all carry for a while like we know that we need to do it but we're not doing it and it's sometimes like what you mentioned earlier like just be the unknown like not really knowing what we don't know so I'm so glad we're sitting here having this conversation today you're also going to be speaking at the Lash Boss Summit too diving a little deeper into this as well um, so let's say we need to do like all of the above like how, where do we get started is it just booking a consultation with you through your website
1: yes so the easiest way and the one i really like to kind of start with is the beauty boss legal consult it is really designed as a 45 minute q and a and i typically do at the end what i call like a beauty boss checkup so I give you 45 minutes, it's really informal. It is your time to ask me questions on kind of how you're running your business. You know, Do you need copyrights? Do you need trademarks? What about this training agreement? You have an employee, how should you classify them? You know, like different things like that. But then usually what happens is towards the end, people will run out of questions. Or they'll think that the questions were going to take longer or whatever. And then I do what's called the beauty boss checkup. And then I'll run down a list of things that maybe we didn't talk about. So I'm like, okay, we talked about trademarks and copyrights. Do you have an LLC or a corporation in place? All right. What about professional or liability insurance? Okay. What about separate business bank accounts? And I kind of run down the list of like, other legal areas that you might need additional assistance in and then from there we can kind of set up a game plan okay so we need to trademark this we need to copyright your course we're also going to work on this custom contract that you want to draft for something else so that's really the best way to kind of sit down and start to really evaluate what you need for your business is with one of those and those are self-scheduled online you can pick a time that's convenient for you and it's really easy to book online
0: awesome cool I know you're going to get a lot of bookings from this (laughs) episode, including me. Okay. Last question is about business entities. So let's say they're just starting their business. What should they, what should they do or classify themselves as?
1: So if you are just starting your business by default, you end up being what's called a sole proprietor. So sole proprietors are essentially you doing business as yourself. And so If I'm doing lashes and I'm a sole proprietor, I would be Rihanna Green, right? If something happens with my lash business, if I get sued or if there's an issue with an allergic reaction, they're going to sue me individually as Rihanna Green because I don't have any type of business entity in place. So that means if me as Rihanna Green, I'm started saving for a kid's college fund or I'm saving to like do my own salon. I've got 30 grand in the bank or the down payment for a house, whatever it is. If they are suing me as the individual and they get a judgment, they get to take that judgment to Bank of America or Wells Fargo or wherever and be like, let's empty out Rihanna Green's savings account because I just got this judgment of $30,000. Okay, so this is where business entities really come in to play as being super important because obviously nobody wants that to happen to them. So how do you prevent that from happening? Well, you get a business entity in place, whether or not that is a corporation or an LLC, and you separate yourself from the business. So essentially that means if the same scenario happens, they are going to sue the business, right? And so they can only get what the business has. And hopefully the business has business insurance and professional liability insurance, because that's gonna be the first mechanism of defense. So before they ever get to any of the business's money, they're gonna have insurance. If insurance doesn't cover it all, or they don't have insurance, then that's when they would tap into like business finances. But they're not going to be able to tap into your personal finances because you as a person are separate from your business. So that's why business entities are key.
0: To start, you know, book a consultation with Rihanna and she can just run down all the things that you would need in order to protect you in your business today and moving forward. And so do you also offer services like where you – let's say they work with you for a trademark or something and that you need to send, they need to um, send like a cease and desist letter. How does that work? Um, Do you have like ongoing services or like maintenance type of services too?
1: Yeah. So essentially everything is kind of done on the flat fee basis. So once we do the trademark, we're kind of done with the trademark relationship at that point, but I'm always there. So it's like, okay, now we filed and registered your trademark. And now you see a copycat using it. And you're like, Hey, Rihanna, can we send out a cease and desist? Then I'll, you know, obviously sure. Like we can send out the cease and desist. I will help you send out the cease and desist. So I'm always there for ongoing support. It's just not always an ongoing bill.
0: Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise in this. Um, It's very much needed in our industry. And I really appreciate you sharing all that with us today no problem i love to talk
1: legal about the beauty industry it's my favorite so anytime anyone wants to talk legal i'm always happy to do it so thank you so much for having me
0: yes of course and we'll see you at the lash ball summit in a couple months we will i'm so excited awesome thank you so much thank you